try again. There we go. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> and happy Pentecost Sunday. For those of you who missed it when we opened up this morning, it's Pentecost Sunday, which is an important day for us, particularly as Christians. And I'm excited about the message I get to share with you guys today. And I just wanted to, where's Pete? Pete, you around here still? There he is. You're in the nosebleeds way up on the hillside there. That was a word from the Lord. Wait on the Lord. There's a, there's a new song that's come out recently about waiting on the Lord. That song has been in my heart day and night, uh, along with another song in that same album called Build Your Church. The Lord is, He is moving in His people right now. And, and I truly believe He's calling us to wait on Him. And I'm, I'm going to get into that today and what that means for us, particularly here at our Father's house. But before we, we get into the message proper, I do want to take a moment to, to just highlight uh, an event we had two days ago here out in town. Some of you have probably seen on Facebook um, and you probably saw it coming up in our events on our events page uh, on our website, but we've been partnering with uh, the Fellowship Christian Fellowship of St. Mary's County now for over a year, but we've been really integrated with them for, for longer than that. But officially we've been with them for over a year and uh, they've been doing some food drops out in town, um, out in St. Mary's Square through at the, the Dominion Apostolic Church. And uh, when I say food drop, I mean something like you've probably not really seen uh, around here before. Um, we had about about 20 tons of food that we've been delivering to the community at these uh, these food drops. And it came through a federal program that's actually just closed this month. This is the last month that we're able to do it. And I'm, I'm so thankful that we've had leaders in the body of Christ that have come together and said, let's do something that's really significant and practical and take advantage of what's being offered right now. So uh, a number of us got to participate with them again this, this month. And uh, it was just an incredible event, getting to feed the community in a really practical way. I mean, 20 tons of food is a lot of food, folks. Yeah, almost 2,000 boxes worth of food, 30 pounds each with good food in there, like fresh vegetables and fruits with dairy, with meat, like nice meat, like big, thick ham slices. I mean, really good stuff. And it was such a blessing to be able to hand boxes to people. And oh, how much do you need? Oh, I just need one. Could you use a second or could you give someone to, some to someone you know? And, and people were willing to do it. And we had folks that were coming and they're, you know, they come pick up, you know, 30, 40 boxes of food and they're bringing them back to their parts of the community to distribute to other people. It was such a, a blessing. And, and there's so many ministry opportunities that opened up with that too. Getting to pray with people and getting to encourage people and, and, uh, and just getting to hear people's stories. It was, it was profound. I just want to thank everybody that came out and participated in that. And I just needed to share one, one special testimony about this. This is just, this just blessed me so much. We had uh, a homeless guy who came out um, and he received a box and he was really blessed. He was really blessed by it. And he left and he, you know, went back into the woods and, and about, I don't know, probably an hour or so later, he came back as he was going to just be hanging out there and was just overjoyed at what was, was there and so thankful and so grateful. And it was just great getting to, to see his response, to come back and just to say thank you and whatnot. He ended up serving with us for over 45 minutes, 45 minutes to an hour as we were closing out the day to help give food boxes to the other people that were coming up. What an incredible testimony that is. When we receive the generosity of the Lord, we get to become partakers in being generous with Him. And it was such a, 
such a clear picture of what that looks like. You know, we don't have to be long and mature in the body of Christ before we're able to serve. God's looking for those who are willing. And uh, we get to experience and express His spirit of generosity. So I just want to thank everybody who participated in that. I'm just so excited about what God is doing in the body of Christ here in Southern Maryland. There's there's some amazing connections that are being made that, that I don't know have really been there before. And I can't speak directly to all that history there, but it seems like God is stirring us up and He's drawing us together here. And it's important for us to be aware of that, to be awakened to it, and to be willing to participate in that. Because when the people of God come together in humility and unity and peace, His presence is among us. And it's His presence among us that advances the kingdom, that tears down walls, that transforms not only hearts, but it transforms whole peoples. It transforms the landscape. God's called us to something that's bigger than a comfortable Christianity, folks. He's really called us to deep abiding work. Not by the ways that we think about and the ways that we can devise in and of ourselves, but, but by what He reveals to us. We are completely dependent on His Spirit. I'm going to say that again. We are completely dependent on His Spirit. And today we're going to talk about that. So if you will, I'm going to I'm just going to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to our hearts as we open up the Scripture and just ask Him to come and inhabit this thing for us and, and make real to us things that we've not yet seen before. So, so Holy Spirit, I invite You. I thank You that Your presence is already here today. I thank You that You're already with us. I thank You for the cool breeze that we're experiencing here right now, Lord, on a hot day. I thank you for how you attend to every need that we have. I thank you that you fill every void. I thank you, Lord, that you are Lord of the church and that you are building your church and that we get to participate in the mission that you have. Lord, I ask that you would humble our hearts before you. I ask that you would turn our gaze once again to Jesus. I ask that you would lift our gaze And give us a hope and an expectancy for something that's greater than we've ever been able to accomplish in ourselves, Lord. But to see that which you are calling us to. Open our eyes. Open our understanding. Open our hearts to you, Lord, and to one another. I thank you, Jesus. In your name, I pray these things. Amen. Well, Pentecost is a very special time. It's a special moment in the history of the church, the history of the the world, the drama of time. And we get to talk about that today because today is Pentecost Sunday. See, it was at Pentecost Sunday that we had the outpouring of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, something that had been anticipated for long ages. It was the birth of the church. It was the empowerment for the ministry that God commissioned us to do. And it's a high commission. But He would not allow them, our predecessors in the body of Christ, to go forth until the Spirit of God came and empowered them to do that. 
So when Pete says this morning, wait on the Lord, it's embedded in the message of Pentecost. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Pentecost is a, is a festival that had been going on in the nation of Israel for long generations. It, it, wasn't, um, it wasn't something that just happened. God had set up an environment for Pentecost to take place. What we look back at Pentecost as being to take place. Because Pentecost is, is the, the day of first fruits. It's the, the feast of the harvest. It's the feast of weeks. And it occurs seven weeks and one day after Passover. And amongst other things, it looks back into the history of Israel. Sent us out of Egypt. We had Passover. There was the giving of the Torah, the giving of the law on the mountain. And so it commemorates that event. They bring the first fruits of the harvest in. And it's one of three festivals that takes place in Israel where, where men, able-bodied men across Israel, across the nation of Israel, are called to Jerusalem. We have Passover. We have the Feast of Weeks. And we have the, day of the Feast of the Tabernacles. All of those are, are journeying festivals where they come to Jerusalem. And so it's a very significant event that takes place, but there's a celebration of the first fruits of the, the wheat harvest in there. And this is the day that God chose to pour out His Spirit. And it wasn't like He was just sitting there and with His Rolodex of days and, oh, I think I'll choose this one to set it on. I've had that one going for a while. That would be a good time. No, he, he prepared the concept of the first fruits for Pentecost. Because that, that body of people that was there, that came to Christ that day, the 3,000 that came into the kingdom that day, are a first fruits people. And they demonstrate in the first fruits that which is being offered back up to God of what His plan is for His people. Because when we go into Revelations 5, verse 9, we see this, that they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and every language and people and nation. There's a unifying that comes together in the body of Christ. There's a drawing together that happens. There's an overcoming of the, of the barriers that would hold us apart. And particularly today, we're going to talk about language. Language that would separate people. So to talk about Pentecost, we're going to roll the clock back and talk about an event that took place all the way back very early in the history of the world. In the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, we see God creating mankind. And he says this, And God said, Let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. 
God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Listen to this. Fill the earth. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. He told them to fill the earth. He didn't say stay here. He said go. Go, inhabit the planet. I built this whole thing for you. Go, subdue it, rule over it. You're my representative. I've created you in my image and my likeness. You're to represent me there. You're to know my heart, you're to know my ways, and you're to to rule this as I rule, as my representatives. And we all know that got messed up. And by the time we get to Noah, God hits a big reset button. And he starts over again with a family of a righteous man whose heart was after God, who listened to him. And right after we get through the story of, of Noah and his family, you have the table of nations, where they went, who they became, right? And right after that, we come to our story, the Tower of Babel. There's some significant things that took place at the Tower of Babel that foreshadow what God does at Pentecost. The two are linked together. And so I want to talk about them today and bring those to light because we see a division that takes place at Babel and we see what God does in His people overcome, overcoming it with His Spirit at Pentecost. So this is Genesis chapter 11, 1 through 9. I'm just going to read the whole thing and we'll go through and pick apart a few pieces. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. You seeing the problem? But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. You see, God gave them a commission. When he created mankind, his commission was to be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And there's a people that said, we're not going to go. We're going to defy the commission that's been given to us. We're not going to go. We're going to stay here. And we're going to make a name for ourselves. And we're going to show our greatness by how much we can elevate ourselves. And we're going to be a sign in the land of our greatness. We're going to agree to unify around this thing and just look what we can do. We don't care that God's told us to be scattered. In fact, we're going to do this so that we won't be scattered. 
when it speaks in chapter 11, verse 1 here, where it says, the whole world had one language in a common speech. That's an interesting turn of a phrase there. And what it means is this. Ellicott's commentary says that means the pronunciation and the vocabulary were identical, which means all of their words were the same and their accents were the same and how they said things was the same. There was no differentiation in that. That's an important thing to recognize. It's also important to recognize that they came together in agreement and they're doing things by the work of their own hands. It was what they could make, what they could build to make themselves great. It was their idea of what greatness was going to be. They had departed from what God had given them as a commission. And we see that the Lord recognizes the strength that takes place in the unity of mankind, in the agreement of mankind to go about a purpose. And he was seeing that they were drifting and they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And so he went down and he confused their language. And it forced them to scatter. It forced them into what he had already told them to do. God still had his way, even in their disobedience. And because of it, we see the separation of languages now. Where you can imagine people will, will start to group up in like languages, in ways of saying things, in understandings, and they scatter and they go and find a place to reside in the earth. You see, God wasn't ever intimidated by there being multiple cultures that would would come about in different regions of the earth. He was not intimidated by the differentiation that he had created. It was part of his mission. It was part of his plan. It was part of him being able to raise up a people that represented him in their differentiation. He was not intimidated by that even so much as confusing their language so that they would go ahead and do so. Now, the resulting effects of that have made things incredibly challenging over time. We're left with much of, much of the, uh, the challenges that we face today as a society. But God's intention was for them to represent Him in all of those places. And for the beauty of that variation to put him on display. So some significant points to identify here. This people came to one place, that place in Shinar, that plain. They defied God's command to scatter. They chose to elevate themselves and to demonstrate their own greatness. And this is a really important one. They chose to make a name for themselves. Pay pay attention to that, a name for themselves. There is self-provision. There is self-promotion. There is self-preservation. They were about their own business. And God wouldn't have it. All right, so now we're going to fast forward in time. We're going to come to just after the crucifixion and the resurrection when Jesus has spent time with his disciples and we're at a new commission. This is the Great Commission. This is the commission that that Jesus gave to his church. 
You're probably familiar with this. This is in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. If you remember back to Lanny's message last week, their concept of all nations really was well, all the, the Hebrew tribes, right? We're, we're supposed to go forth into all the earth, but, but there really wasn't a good step across point for them to do that yet. But that's okay. God opened it up for them. His word was still true, even though they didn't yet know how that was going to happen. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And in Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, we find his view on this. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Being baptized in the name means you take on the name, you soak up the name, you become identified in that name. Is it your name? Is it your name? It's his name. We take on his name. And in Luke 24, 45 through 49, we see this. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. There was an epicenter of this thing taking place. Remember, in Babel, it was on the plains of Shinar. There was an epicenter, a location that it was going to emanate from. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. He gave them a commission. And he tells them, you're going to start here in Jerusalem. And then I'm sending you into all the world. But you don't have what it takes yet. Because I'm not going to allow you to do that by your own hands. I'm not going to allow you to come into agreement with your plan. You have to come into agreement with my plan, which means you've got to sit and stay and wait. Wait on the promise of the Father, because it's going to give you the power that is necessary and required to complete the mission that I have given you. My mission, not yours, mine. And then Luke goes on here in Acts chapter 1 to say this, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he goes on in verses 7 and following. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's revealing his plan of how this is going to emanate into the earth. But he still he tells them, wait, because you need power to do this. And they were familiar with that power. 
They've been walking with Jesus for three years. They had participated in that ministry. They had rested under his anointing, but they were not yet baptized with his Holy Spirit, infusing them and empowering them as his representatives. It couldn't be of their own initiative. They had to sit and wait. It says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So we see he left. They have the angels tell them, don't worry, he's coming back. And they go and they be obedient to what he told them to do. Go to Jerusalem and wait. And they do. They gather together and they wait. They pray constantly. We see they had to install a a new apostle because they needed that 12th representative. Someone else who had been with him from the beginning for what was yet to come. They demonstrated their submission and their surrender to his plan and not their own. They recognized that his plan was better than their plan. They've been following him now for three years. And they were submitted to him. They didn't know exactly what it was and what it was going to look like when the Holy Spirit came but they knew he was coming and they were prepared. And in Acts chapter two, we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Because remember, they had to journey to Jerusalem. Men from all over Israel, where the nation of Israel was, every nation under heaven, had traveled there, had journeyed there. They were together in one place, speaking different languages. They had a common identity, but they're separated in the words that they spoke. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own, our own native language, Parthians, Medes, and Elamites? Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? We hear about all the nations and all the regions that they represent all the varieties of language that are there. And did you see that they spoke about their own tongues, 
And then we also hear languages. Those are two different Greek words that are being spoken about there. It's just like was mentioned in Babel, where they had vocabulary and they had accent. When it says here, then how is it that each of us hears them in our own, in our native language? The word there is dialectos, dialects. It's the specific way that we say things. How do these guys know how we talk back home in our neighborhood? Aren't these Galileans? They don't even know our voc. They don't just speak our vocabulary. They're speaking what it sounds like where I live. They don't have that type of knowledge. Even if they knew my vocabulary, there'd certainly there'd be an accent, right? No. Pure speech. Pure speech. They didn't know what they were saying. But what they were saying was magnifying the glories and the wonders of God. And it caught their attention. What does this mean? Suddenly, 3,000 plus are there looking for an answer to what they're seeing. And Peter, the one who three times denied Christ under pressure, stands up in that moment before them all and declares exactly what it means. This is the promise of the Father. This is what was spoken about by Joel. Jesus was sent to you. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. You killed him. But he is risen again. And us 12, we are witnesses of the entire thing. Why do we have 12 jurors? Because it goes back to our Judeo-Christian values of, of 12 men who sit in a place to view a thing when they declare, this is what happened, that's the way it was. And things can be adjudicated from that point forward. So for 12 of them to stand up, we were with him from the beginning. Remember, Matthias was chosen because he was with him from the beginning. He had seen all the, he'd seen all the things. He witnessed it all. And he was able to stand with them there in confidence and say, yes, he was dead, he is resurrected, he is alive again, and he is the Messiah. And their hearts are torn. And they say, what should we do? And he says, repent and be baptized. And this promise is for you and for all who are far off. We see 3,000 are added in that day. And immediately following, we see about the fellowship that they represent. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We see them in Jerusalem. They begin to face persecution in Jerusalem. And when Stephen is martyred, it tells us, that on that day, they become scattered. And they go into Judea and Samaria, just like Jesus said was going to happen. 
Jerusalem, all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When Peter goes to Cornelius' house, it opens up the door to the Gentiles. And we're all here today because of that time, because of what was opened up there. We're part of and to the ends of the earth. And he's still going. And it's still our commission. And we still need the Spirit of God to complete that mission. That has not changed. Until he rolls that whole thing back up again, we're still on the same mission. Now let's look at this, these two scenarios together. In both of them, we have a singular location. An event took place, and it happened here. And there were people that were unified. And there were people that were elevating a name. And there were people that had a purpose and a mission that they were about. One of them failed, and the other one is still going. Some people say that Pentecost reversed the curse of Babel. I don't know that I get fully there, but it has overcome the curse of Babel. See, it's by the Spirit that we overcome. We have in one situation a people that are, are set on staying and making a name for themselves, being about their purposes and their plans. It's a completely orphan culture. We're going to make a name for ourselves. We're going to provide for ourselves. We're going to stay here. We're going to do our thing. And then we see at Pentecost the first fruits of what God has designed, where they're submitted to Him. They're about His mission. They're waiting on Him. They're there to lift His name high. And they can't do it in their own strength. They're not making bricks, and they're not making tar, and they're not making a name for themselves. They're about to build the body of Christ, the house of God, at the hand of the one who is, who is leading the whole effort. He's the head, they're the body. And it's only by His Spirit that it comes about. See, at Babel we have this, mankind's agreement for unity, for a man-driven purpose, identifying man's independence from God. We can do it on our own. Look at the great feats of mankind. Look what all we can do. But at Pentecost we see God's invitation to unity. We see that we're called into God's divine purpose and His mission. And we see God's empowerment through full dependence on Him. Isn't it interesting that we're talking about language, we're talking about words, we're talking about dialect, we're talking about direct translation, where God's demonstrating it doesn't matter what walls you've, you've put up. It doesn't matter that you can't understand one another. I can overcome that easily. That's not a barrier to me. In fact, Jesus is the Word of God. In fact, He is the embodiment of the Word of God made flesh, is the perfect translation of the Father. As He walked and talked 
and healed and led, he demonstrates the Father. Remember, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was there in living form. And when the Spirit comes at Pentecost, it says, it doesn't matter that you're divided by all your languages. It doesn't matter that you're all from different places. It doesn't matter. I designed you to go to different places, but I've called you to unity in me. One in Christ. One body, one Spirit, one God and Father over all. And He is in all. And He is through all of us. And we are in Him. It doesn't matter what other types of differentiations the world has created over time. What man has done, the fallenness and the sins of man that have brought about all sorts and all manners of divisions among us. No division is great enough to hold back the love of God. It doesn't matter what darkness you're in. God is able to reach you there. It doesn't matter what other walls and boundaries we would put between us, God is able to overcome it. And He will have His way. He will have His people scattered among the earth, representing Him, ruling and reigning on His behalf in submission and surrender to Him, representing their Father. He's the Word made flesh who draws all mankind unto himself. Pete said it really eloquently today. You don't build the kingdom by tearing things down. You build the kingdom by lifting up Jesus. Go disciple all nations, teaching them all the things that I taught you. Present a different standard. When Jesus is lifted up, he draws all men and women unto himself. He's able to do it. We just get to be surrendered to him and to his purposes. There's a pattern established in the kingdom. We see God's promise. We see a repentance and a faith towards him where we leave our own path we're drawn towards him. We find rest in his promises before they're seen. We see obedience and alignment built in over that time as we wait on the Lord, alignment with Him, and then we see His release of what it is that He has planned. It's easy for us to want to rush in with our ideas. We're trained to do that, aren't we? Let's all get together and figure out how we're going to solve this problem. What do you have? What do you have? I like that. That sounds good right there. Let's put that up on the board. We're going to put that in the parking lot. Anybody heard that before? Just put this on the parking lot over here. What do you have? What do you have? Good? Yep. All right, let's put that on the board. Don't get me wrong. There's a time for that. It's good planning. But if we don't wait on the Lord as the people of God for His outpouring, we're going to jump ahead of what He's going to do. We're in a unique season here at our Father's house. Not just 2020, not just 2021, not just all the upheaval that we see across our nation, across our region, across the world. That's real. 
We've had so many distractions over this last year of real things that have penetrated our psyche, have penetrated our experience, and have worked to draw us apart in so many different ways. And throughout this last year, our most consistent message we've had is wait on the Lord and focus on Him and drawing close to Him. And don't be drawn away into all the other things that would seek to separate us. And we've experienced tearing in our lives as if we've let things go. We've had to let things go. And we've had numerous global events that have taken place that have demonstrated the futility of mankind to overcome incredible problems. And what we've seen is incredible division as our words have torn us apart in so many great ways, outside and inside the body of Christ. Everybody's got solutions, but none of us has a real answer. And in the absence of an answer, we've been calling us to focus on the Lord, to draw in close to Him, to hold on in the midst of the storm. In the midst of the storm, you're not getting good plans about what to do on the other side of the storm. You're just fighting to stay through it and hold as much as you can together in it. As boards fall off your ship, as things go overboard, as precious cargo, things that are important to you, are chucked overboard, and you're holding on for dear life. And I would hazard to say that we've probably all been through that to some degree or another over this year. But even with that taking place, here at our Father's house, we've been in a a transition time. We're we're at the, the end of the transition between Pastor Lanny and myself. And at the end of June, on the 27th, We're having a commissioning ceremony that Sunday as he hands things over from himself to me in leadership. We've been looking forward to this time for a long time. God's been preparing us as a people for this for a long time. And we felt the tensions throughout this season for a long time. As we're about to step across into a new season, it's important for us to take stock of where we are right now. If this is a pruning time, boy, we've been cut back. It's been a painful pruning. We're back to some bare structure. It's like when you're driving around and somebody decided they're going to prune a grove of crepe myrtles. You know what I'm talking about? Is that thing even still alive anymore? What good could come from that? And then you see it flourish again. So there's deep pruning that takes place to produce incredible fruit. Something that's well-established gets that deep pruning for an abundant fruit to come forward. And I, I know we've been in that season because there's promises that God has for us as a people beyond this moment. We've not yet experienced them and fully walked into them. And I'm so jealous to see that come about. There's a lot of things that we held really high on our priority list that God showed weren't as high on His priority list. He's called us to love Him 
be devoted and committed to Him in ways that are deeper and more intimate than we could remember. He's called us back to a commitment to His Word. What is it that He actually says in His Word? If His Word is the standard for my life, am I living that? In the way that I approach Him, in the way that I approach others, We've had starvation from our relationships and our connectivity with one another. He wants us to value those interactions. The enemy's been trying to tear us apart in so many ways. God says, no, you're you, my people. You're unified by my spirit. You're to be about my purpose, my plan, my calling, my mission. And we here at our Father's house have been called to a very specific aspect of His mission. Like like other churches all across the world, God has a particular call for them. Folks, He's called us to be a place of healing. A place of healing. A city of refuge. He's called us to be a lighthouse in this community and in this region. Some of you were there when he said that. And many of you have been stewarding that for for decades now. In your season, to the best of your ability, and surrender to him, and giving him your gifts that he'd given you, surrendering those to him so that he could bear fruit in them, And it has borne fruit. We've seen lives transformed. We've seen new ministries in this community touch so many lives with the love of God. We've seen Him draw people together from all corners of this planet. We've seen first fruits of that promise, but it's first fruits. There's more to come. He's not changed his his promises to us as a people. But we've got to be in line with how he wants to do it. It's not going to be by our will. It's not going to be by our cleverly devised schemes. And it's probably not going to look exactly like we've done it in the past. Otherwise, he wouldn't have torn everything down. but it's the same DNA. It's the same trajectory. It's the same heart. It's new people who've been called in this time and in this season to continue to carry things forward. And we're one month out from a change of command here. And many of you have lived under the leadership of Pastor Lanny for decades. We've almost got two decades with him under our belts. I'm not Pastor Lanny. I am his spiritual son. He was called to a different season. And God's called me and my family, my wife Katie, who many of you know, and you've been getting to know us better over this last year. 
as the Lord thrust us forward a little sooner than we felt we were ready for. But it's His doing. I was reminded last night of how about two years ago, I was telling you all, we're just going to get through this time. We're going to go as stably as possible as we can through this. I don't want to change anything as much as possible. We're just going to we're just going to cruise through this time and resettle as Lanny makes his exit and I come in here. We're all going to get to know this whole leadership style as best we can and figure it out together. Do you remember the, that thing? And then Katie, I remember, said to me at one point, you need to stop saying that. Because what if God changes everything? So, like most of us who've been married a while, guys, yes, dear, you're right. There's truth to that. What if God decides he's going to change everything? And he has. He has. It's had the feeling of us in leadership, like it's all turning to sand in your hands. And as you grip onto it, it just slips through your fingers even more. And you wonder, well, what is it that we're even holding on to at the end of this? What will be left? We are a people of His presence. He has been faithful to us for generations. That in His presence, He brings incredible healing. He brings incredible transformation. In His presence, He reveals His strategies, His tactics. In His presence, he brings joy to us. In His presence, He transforms things that would have taken 10 years of programs for us to try to develop, and He changes it in an instant. We've been called to host His presence here. We've had for years people who just drive in right off the highway because they just felt like they were supposed to be here. They saw the sign or they just felt a, a calling to this place, and we know because he's spoken prophetically that he's made this place a beacon and he's transmitting a signal here in the spirit that he's calling people to. Hallelujah. Lord, let it continue. So as we're in this month, ahead of this commission, I'm calling us as a people once again to a time of fasting and prayer and worship before the Lord. Because I'll tell you what, I don't want to go into the next season. I don't want to go into this next land without His presence. If His presence doesn't lead us there, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I can't, and you and I can't, develop anything in our clever scheming that would come close to what He wants to do. And it can't be just me and my family and my household that humbles ourselves before Him and comes into His presence and waits on Him for that to come forward. So we're going to be in a time of prayer and fasting before Him. We've got four weeks of fasting. We're going to be starting this upcoming Wednesday. We're going to finish off the Wednesday before the commissioning. We're kicking off with a pursuit night this Wednesday. If you're unfamiliar with that, a worship song's playing in the, in the sanctuary. We're going to come together at 6 o'clock, and we're going to worship Him together. We're going to lift His name on high. 
We're going to welcome His presence. And we're going to go from that into a time of prayer where we just submit ourselves to Him. We commit ourselves to Him. And each week we're going to have a different prayer focus. I'm going to read those to you right now. The first one, the first one, is that we would have unity of the Spirit within our Father's house. See, when God's people are in unity, His presence shows up. We have unity of the Spirit. We're not divided amongst ourselves. We're drawn together by our, our common identity in the body of Christ, by His Spirit. His presence shows up. He tells us we're supposed to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace above all things. And it takes humility on the part of all of us to do that well. There's no arrogance there because there's one priority, and that's Him. That's His presence. So that's our first priority in prayer. Week two, our focus is alignment with God's specific call for OFH. What does that mean? That means in the process here, I'm going to get those old binders out from 1990s and look back at what was it that God was saying there so that you, His people, can hear what His Word was to you because it's still to you. If you call this place your home and you recognize that you've been called here for God's purposes in this body, we're going to be opening those things up and we're going to be saying, God, this is what you said. Bring it forward. What do you have for us in this time? I want to align myself with those purposes. What portion of this do you have for me? Because it's personal. It's corporate, but it's personal. For however long you're here, you're getting to participate in the environment that God is bringing forward here. You're getting to be infused with what He's doing here. These are hard-fought qualities and characteristics that He's laid in here. We have to contend to receive those things and to keep them and hold on. It's only by His power and His presence that we can preserve them. Week three, we're going to be praying for wisdom for God's strategies. Because again, we don't want to go forward with our plan. We want His plan. We want to align our purposes and our strategies to with what He has and what He's called. Week four, courage to inhabit what He has given us. God has given us an inheritance. He's given us an inheritance. As surely as we are sitting right here on this property, that we didn't know that we had this awesome natural amphitheater to be able to meet outdoors in this time, He revealed that to us. It's part of our inheritance that was one generation's past, and we're living in the fruit of that right now. And who knows what more He wants to do? That's That's a physical thing. But He has an inheritance for us as a people, and we need the courage to walk in it. I don't want to go another 40 years in the desert because we didn't have courage to go into the land that He had promised us. I want to believe that He's given us the ability to overcome the giants in the land. 
We all need that courage. Next week, I'm going to be speaking again from another story that deals with the same idea of waiting on the Lord before we enter into what he has for us. It's the story of the nation of Israel as they're going into the promised land. Sneak peek. He had a different strategy than they did. And it's because of their obedience that they're able to step forward into it and receive the inheritance that he had for them. We're going to be doing pursuit nights each week throughout this month. We'll let you know what the schedule looks like for that. But I, I'm calling all of those to call our Father's house their home to join into, us, into this with us. Join us on those pursuit nights. Come into that place. Gather together. We're going to be in the sanctuary. We're going to be lifting His name. We're going to be proclaiming Him. We're going to be glorifying Him. We're going to be surrendering to Him. We're going to be going in prayer together as a people before our God, our Father, asking Him to demonstrate in our generation His goodness once again, that we would step into what He has for us. Not just for us, not just for those who come inside the walls of our Father's house, but for where He sends us for this region, for the nations that he sends us to. Because remember, remember our vision statement? We want to see a hurting world healed. We want to see people launched into their destiny. This has always been about something that is much broader than what takes place in this location. I invite you into it. I welcome you into it. He's called us to much more in our experience than what we've had before. I don't even know what it looks like, what he wants to do, folks. Isn't that how it is in our lives? He speaks about things, and then when, we, when it shows up, it's better than we could have asked or imagined. And if he told us exactly what it was, we probably wouldn't have believed him. We wouldn't have gone for it. He's so good. He's so good. We're going to do communion. If anybody doesn't have a communion cup, just raise your hand. If you have communion up there, bring it on down. Pass things out. Keep your hands raised. At home, you've got plenty of time. We're here at Pentecost. Pentecost, like I said, comes 50 days after Passover. Where we celebrate the blood of the Lamb. That covered God's people. and freed them from what would happen from the angel of death. 
The lamb was slain. They were marked with the blood. And they did not die. Jesus Christ, the eternal Lamb of God, who was slain before the foundations of the earth, came forward at his appointed time into time and space and became the sacrificing atonement for our sins. His blood was shed for us. It was poured out for us, and he in himself brought forth a new covenant whereby we would be freed from sins and we would be returned and have a way into relationship with our Father. We could walk out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And he would become the king of our hearts, the head over the body of which we are all part, where his body was broken for us. That's what the bread represents. His blood was poured out for us in the new covenant. And between Passover and Pentecost, that year, there was resurrection. And the same power that was in him that rose him from the grave is available to us now by that same spirit because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the sacrifice that you made. I thank you that you poured out your blood for us. I thank you that you made a new, a, a new covenant, Lord, that your body was broken for us. Lord, that on Pentecost you came and you demonstrated that you've overcome every division that's taken place. You've given a first fruits, Lord, of us being able to see that you've called all nations unto yourself. You've overcome every barrier, every boundary, Lord, for us. Lord, your love is so great, and your plan and your purpose is so big. And Lord, we get to humbly come and walk in your purposes. Lord, I pray for your people right now. That, Lord, those that have not yet been baptized with your Holy Spirit, that there would be a hunger that would, that would grow in them, Lord a desire in them, Lord, to be baptized with your spirit, that they would be clothed with power from on high, Lord, to accomplish the work that you have for them, the ministry and the commission that you have given them, Lord. Lord, that we as a people would come together, Lord, in unity before you, that we would set aside the things that would, would divide us, Lord, and be called together in unity in you, Lord. Call to your purpose, your specific purpose for us here at our Father's house, Lord. For this time, for this era, for this season, for this location, Lord. Lord, it's not by accident or mistake that any of us is here today. But Lord, we know that we need you. And I thank you, Lord, that what we are remembering in this act here is that we are all part of one body. It's one blood that washes us clean, that's given us a new covenant, that's set us apart as you're purifying for yourself a people. We thank you, Jesus.
Take and eat in the name of Jesus. We did have one word that I know of this morning that I would like to share with you. Katie, would you come up? This speaks to some of the things that I'm sharing here today, but I think it speaks beyond it. You can use that right there. It was just a real brief picture, but what I saw was that it was really while we were worshiping, there were porcelain or alabaster jars over people's heads. And I felt like um, these people had been lifting their their prayers up to the Lord. And, and specifically, I kept hearing the phrase, more Lord, I just want more of you and that word more. And what I felt like was that those jars were at their, their tipping point and that there was an outpouring and an outflowing coming um, because the Lord had heard your cry yeah. for him. Amen. Thank you. I want to share that with you because we're at this place right now as a people. We're at a tipping point for us. Many of us have been crying out to the Lord. We've been asking for the more of God. We've been coming to him in intimacy. We've been pressing into him. And I'm saying this, we are in a month here of us waiting on the Lord together, very particularly very specifically we say god if we're going to move forward we want your presence we want your plan we want your outpouring of what you have for us it's by his grace and his mercy that he waits for his people to be ready for what they're going to receive so they can carry forward what he has for them we're in that moment and some of you can probably feel that Something's about to happen. Something's got to give here. What is it that's going to happen? How is that going to look? Lord, we're waiting for you. We've been coming to you. We've been crying out to you. What are you going to do? He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And what he accomplishes through that is greater than anything that we'd accomplish on our own or together in our own strength. I ask you to stand. When we close out here, I'm going to be over here on the side. I'd ask any of our prayer ministers to come and, and be up here with me. If you're resonating with this today and there's, there's something about this that you just want to be prayed over, I'd invite you to come forward. I want to pray over you. I want to bless you as we're embarking on this time together. If you have a need and you need prayer, I want to invite you to come forward. I want to lay hands on you. See what God's going to do in this time. Father, I bless your people right now. Lord, sanctify us. Help us in this time, Lord, as we consecrate ourselves before you. 
as we come in with fasting and prayer and worship, Lord, coming into your presence, leaning into you, focusing on you, asking for you to come to demonstrate to us what you have in this hour. As we humble ourselves before you, Lord, and we embark on what you have for us next, we come with expectancy, Lord, expectation for what's going to happen next. Our hearts are hungry for you, Lord. Lord, we don't want to go unless you're there with us. We don't want to pick things up that we're not supposed to. But show us what we're to lay hold of in this season and in this hour. Lord, I ask that you would reveal our heart to us, your heart to us, Lord, by your presence, Lord, by your words, by your encouragement. Lord, you guided your people through the desert. You've been guiding this people for decades by your presence and by your word. And Lord, we stand here in this hour and we say, come again, Lord. Show us how you want to move forward. We're submitted and we're surrendered to you, Holy Spirit. Come once again. Have your way among us. Let us glorify the name of Jesus in this place. That here, Lord, you would create disciples. That you would bring healing that you'd be a place of refuge for those who are lost and who are hurting, Lord, that they would receive healing, that they would be moved towards wholeness, Lord, that you would send them, Lord, to the corners of the earth. You would scatter us, Lord, into the locations that you have called us to once again call glory to the name of Jesus, to preach the gospel and to draw more into the kingdom to the glory of our Father as we get to put his heart on display. I thank you, Lord. I ask that you would distill us down, Lord, to the essence of what you have created here for us to be, that we would not be distracted by things that would draw us to the right or to the left of that, Lord, but that we would be about your purposes, Lord, as we surrender our hearts to you once again, Jesus. I bless your people, and I commit them to you, Lord, in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. If you like prayer, again, I invite you forward. I'd love to pray with you and bless you. Bless one another. Hug somebody's neck. Or, if not, just give somebody a wave. Remember, you're empowered to offer. You're also empowered to politely decline. God bless you. We'll see you this Wednesday night as we come into worship together.